You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. The T-Biz Podcast delivers T-News that you need to know. A recap of the week's major headlines with commentary and cultural trends hosted by Dan Bolton. It is the voice of origin for tea professionals and enthusiasts worldwide. Think of us as a digital caravan of storytellers, bringing authentic, authoritative, and exclusive stories to you weekly from the tea lands. Hello, everyone. Here are this week's headlines. Afghan tea market uncertain as Taliban conquers Kabul. Real growth food service recovery rates vary widely by sector, and researchers confirm heart-healthy aspects of tea. More in a minute, but first, this important message. What makes a perfect cup of Ceylon tea? The perfect cup is from the tea businesses that ensure the protection of all the children living within their tea estates. We salute Kailani Valley, Telawakili, Bogawanthalawa, Harana, and Elliptia Tea Estates. Support Save the Children, Sri Lanka. Afghanistan is a major tea-consuming nation and a smuggler's paradise for tea. The country became a profitable middleman by clever manipulation of border regulations only recently reined in after decades of openly flaunting Pakistani customs enforcement. Orders slowed this week as the Taliban occupied Kabul, according to the East Africa Tea Trade Association. Ida reports that Afghanistan gets most of its tea via Pakistan, where there have been no disruptions at all. It is too soon to know how the collapse of the Afghan government and return of the Taliban will alter the tea market, but smuggling was rampant during the 1996-2001 Taliban regime. In Helmand province, for example, traders said that if we smuggle 40 kilos of heroin, we give the Taliban 4 kilos. Pakistan Customs lists black tea and green tea as two of the five most smuggled commodities. The exports to Pakistan surged in 2020, increasing 18.7% in value compared to 2019, making it the world's highest-valued tea import market at $590 million. Kenya accounted for $497 million of last year's import spend, growing 27% following a decision by the Indian government to no longer export tea to Pakistan. Afghans prefer green tea to black, yet millions of kilos of black tea are landed annually at the port of Karachi, 
Pakistan. Until recently, Pakistan charged a 38% tax and duty on tea, making the import cost of tea 32% higher than the same tea imported into Afghanistan. Afghanistan, however, is a landlocked nation, so huge quantities of African tea, mainly from Kenya, are delivered to the Pakistani port tax-free and then transported to large warehouses across the nearby border, where it is broken into retail packets and smuggled back into Pakistan. Business Insight Pakistan's Competition Commission considers smuggling to be, quote, the biggest threat faced by the domestic tea industry, causing millions of rupees in losses to government and forcing legal importers out of business, according to a 2019 report. A crackdown on violators in late 2020 led to a 55% increase in customs duties collected, a proxy for illegal trade, and evidence of a concerted effort by Pakistan to decrease the cost of legal imports, making smuggling unprofitable. Sales at quick-service restaurants and the supermarket-prepared food segments are well ahead of pre-pandemic totals. But everyone in food service is starting from a really different point, reports Ann Galladay, Senior Project Director at Data Central Research's Baltimore office. Data Central calculates that, overall, consumer spending in food service declined from $806 billion in 2019 to $701 billion in 2021 and will not return to pre-pandemic levels until 2023. Galladay explained to webinar participants August 19th that fast casual, once the darling of the industry with the largest real growth, will not reach pre-pandemic spending levels before 2023, and that will be nominal growth that does not include inflation, she said. Galladay estimates inflation at 5% per year, so you probably have to back down these projections by 10% by then, she said. Consumer spending at fast casual restaurants declined 19% in 2020, the segment is projected to regenerate $67 billion next year, compared to the almost $69 billion consumers spent on fast casual in 2019. A survey of the nation's grocers found that 74% reported increased sales in 2020. The consumer spend for prepared foods at supermarkets in 2022 will be $38.8 billion, rising by 119% compared to 2019 dollars. Recreation, lodging, and convenience store food service segments will take even longer to recover. Lodging, for example, will have only achieved 71% of its 2019 consumer spend by 2022. Until workers return to offices, the business and industry food service sector projected to reach pre-pandemic sales of $6.9 billion, will never recover. Business Insight Jack Lee, principal at Data Central, identified five X factors that could disrupt the official projections. 
These include new coronavirus variants, vaccine mandates, additional and extended lockdowns, sustained inflation, and a combination of labor and supply chain bottlenecks. Visit the TBiz blog for detailed projections in each food service sector provided by Data Central. Researchers confirm heart-healthy aspects of tea. Accumulating evidence of tea's heart health benefits led researchers to conduct an umbrella review describing and critically evaluating the totality of medical evidence to date. Their findings, quote, It is reasonable to judge that two cups of unsweet tea per day has the potential to decrease cardiovascular risk and projection due to its flavonoid content. The peer-reviewed paper published in the Annals of Medicine examines 10 years of studies that identify several biological mechanisms showing a decreased risk and severity of cardiovascular disease in tea drinkers. Miriam Min Inc., president of the East Indies Coffee and Tea Company in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, passed away Saturday, August 14th, after a short illness. Hank operated the company founded by her late husband, Walter Progner, who founded the specialty tea retail business in 1976. Aravinda Anantharaman in Bengaluru reports on India's tea auction prices. India Tea Price Report for the week ending August 21st, 2021. As the political developments in Afghanistan continue to occupy headlines, tea also makes its way to the news. Afghanistan is an importer of green tea and orthodox black tea from India, and in 2021, about 0.76 million kilos of tea was exported from here. At the moment, movement of cargo between the two countries stands interrupted. In auctions this week, Kochi auction was closed due to the state festival of Onam. Other auctions continued as usual. At Gohati, both Tata Consumer Products and Hindustan Unilever were active for leaf teas, while at Kolkata, TCPL, Tata Consumer Products, was active for Darjeeling tea. In terms of sales, North India saw 65% of Darjeeling sold, Orthodox tea saw better uptake in 90%, while 77% of CTC offerings were sold. Meanwhile, in the South, about half the Orthodox leaf on offer was sold, and only CTC dust saw a good uptake at 92% of the total offering sold at Kunur. And now, a word from our sponsor. Q-Trade Teas works with tea purveyors at every scale, from promising startups to the world's largest multinational beverage brands in the hot, iced, and bottled tea segments. With U.S.-based formulation, blending, and packaging services, Q-Trade can help you innovate, scale up, and grow your specialty tea brand. For more information, visit our website, QTrade.com. Tees.com. This week, TBiz visits Darjeeling, India, on word of the sale of the iconic Jungpana and Gunti tea estates to Anshaman Kanoria, principal at Balaji Agro International and chairman of the Indian Exporters Association. And then we travel to London where Kyle Whittington reviews The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane, a novel by Lisa C. A 
Earlier this month, the sale of two iconic Darjeeling tea gardens created headlines. Jangpana and Gum Tea were acquired by the Santosh Kanoria Group, which owns the tea export company Balaji Agro International. The group also owns the Tindaria estate in Darjeeling. Interestingly, Jangpana was last sold in 2017, a sale that came on the heels of the Gorkha agitation in these hills. We spoke to Anshuman Kanoria, chairman of Balaji Agro, and also chairman Indian Tea Exporters Association about this acquisition. What is the mood in Darjeeling? We hear of many gardens going up for sale. The last few years have not been easy. Uh, nature has conspired again. You had a lockdown last year which completely ruined uh, again the quality and and the demand overseas. This year we had one of the worst drought situations we have seen in Darjeeling. And that again ruined uh, his first launch. Things for Darjeeling are really the outlook is bleak. There was a time when people used to to say that much more Darjeeling, much more tea is sold in the garb of Darjeeling in the world than is produced. As it stands, it has become difficult to find uh, buyers even for eight million kilos. The eight million kilos sells, but not at a at a price which is even remotely close to cost of production. People like to blame it on aging bushes, but uh, to the best of ability, people have planted, replanted, rejuvenated uh, their bushes. The real pro- uh, problem lies in a combination of climate change, insufficient pluckers, and these various disturbances which have been occurring in, in Darjeeling on a regular basis over the last five or six years. The wage itself has become a highly sensitive issue. I mean, I understand the need to pay much more, but somewhere there needs to be a correlation between what a garden is earning and and what you can pay the labor. What does the acquisition of Jangpana and Gumti mean for your company and for Darjeeling's tea industry? This is a decision where my brain kept telling me, "Are you crazy?" and and my heart said, "If not now, then when? Can I make it work? I know I can give it my best shot." Our focus is going to be quality. My focus is going to be the packing. You can have a garden like Jampana. You can call it uh, the Louis Vuitton of tea, of Darjeeling tea. But what good is that? unless and until the product is good? It should be. It should taste good. It should be aspirational. I can create a story around it. I can leverage the story of Jampana that already exists. But I'm, my first focus is on restoring the on restoring the discipline of working in the plantation much better plantation management i think jampana is the much much bigger brand name and the much more adversely affected garden it's a beautiful garden it's a beautiful brand name it has been something that which i've been here that gumti is a garden we want to have in our umbrella uh, this is the property which is only approximately 25% organic my first aim is to make it 100% organic we will put the garden under conversion from uh, this year i believe organic is the way forward we ended up buying both the gardens because it was coming as a package and i did not have a way to split and buy only two but the challenges with jangpana are immense we have already tried to start putting different practices into play and much better administrative and i think the workers also now recognize i had a lot of meetings and they recognize that now they have somebody who is much more serious about about the tea angle so i'm really praying that i'm going to get the cooperation of people to try and 
this call is. Am I 100% sure I have done the right thing? No, absolutely not. Uh, financially, this can be the greatest disaster that I have I have ever embarked on. It is something that can really set me back in a massive way and I have no, no illusions that uh, it would be anything but that. But this is a dream I've had. I needed to live it. You also had the Exporters Association. So what are your views on the export market? Is that still sustaining Darjeeling and how are the dependencies changing and how is Darjeeling holding out to competition? I think we have mishandled a lot of things. I think, uh, for example, when GI was introduced, there was a belief that the importers are cheating them and if they could really regulate this passing off of non-Darjeeling as Darjeeling, then they would have a great price discovery and they could be boomed for Darjeeling. I think the premise that so much more Darjeeling was being passed off as Darjeeling was exaggerated to begin with. And secondly, it was presented to buyers in a manner that, okay, now we are the policemen and we are going to catch you wherever you go. So you can't, you can't come and regulate your buyers with a stick like that and all these fancy logos that we managed to get. I mean, what good is a logo if you don't attach value to it? Okay, we, we have not pumped in any money behind our logo promotion. And really, who, who is responsible for having popularized agility? I would say it is the German importance to whom we owe everything. It is not, uh, it is not the growers, it is not the supporters, uh, it is not the government, it is not the team. It is the Germans who have taken the tea and made it popular around the world. They, they may have kept larger cuts for themselves, but we, we still owe it to them. And instead of trying to take them along, we have really tried to be confrontational. The, the other big mistake what I think happened uh, was taking the options of Darjeeling online from a, from a manual uh, system. In a physical auction, the room used to be full. There used to be many people buying and they were all bitter competitors. So everyone used to make sure that nothing sold cheap to any Now we have almost every grower going directly and trying to sell their produce to a limited number of buyers. Where is the competition? The merchant exporters who used to be the backbone of the industry have almost lost interest in Dutch. Your acquisition of these estates seem to have brought some optimism back to Darjeeling. Would you agree? Of course, some optimism that came from traditional tea purists who saw the gardens changing hands from a from a group with no background or no commitment to Darjeeling to to us who really have a passion for Darjeeling and some understanding of it. So that in itself, well, as you said, perhaps gave them hope that maybe there is something, but you know, happening. There is optimism, but the optimism is for different reasons, some of which are selfish, some of which are daunting. As I said, I have no clue. I, I'm not here to make a statement. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn it. I have plans. I have plans to, to, to make the gardens much better managed. They are already in play. We are seeing some differences at the ground level day by day. Times best-selling author Lisa C. has written several novels set in the tea lands. The Tea Girl with Hummingbird Lane, however, 
uniquely explores the mysterious world of Puer. Reviewer Kyle Whittington writes that C's novel, quote, consists of so many brilliant layers. For the tea reader, this is a wonderful story, packed with great tea content that will either develop or ignite an interest in and the desire to explore the world of Puer, end quote. Tea Master Sun seems to comprehend that I'm being transformed. It is words as colourless as can be. So, Puer, tell us what you know about it. The minute he asks this question, I understand two things. And that's a quote from The Tea Girl of Hummingbird Lane by Lisa C. Hello, I'm Kyle Whittington, founder of Tea Book Club. Although I'm based in the UK, Tea Book Club is an international group of tea lovers and readers who meet up virtually each month to discuss the tea books we read. I found myself immediately drawn in and captivated by the story whilst doing my initial skim read, checking there was sufficient tea content for Tea Book Club members. There was tea content aplenty. Whilst reading, and by the time I'd finished it, I found myself with a renewed interest in the world of poor tea, a pond I'd only previously dipped my toe into. Fascinating and well-researched tea content is liberally scattered throughout the book, revealing the mysterious world of poor tea. From ancient secret groves and lost production, through its rediscovery to rapid growth, boom and bust over the last three decades. Despite being a work of fiction, one immediately feels that the tea content is thorough and factually based, adding interesting and personal factoids to the tea readers' knowledge banks, and ultimately, for many, inspiring a new or renewed interest in the world of poor. Undoubtedly a literary work worthy of the recommendations that brought it to my reading chair. It is interesting how different lenses can change the reader's experience. Reading it with a tea mind gives, I feel, a rather different experience to that of a reader coming to it purely as a novel, something which became clear when discussing it with Tea Book Club members. For the tea reader, this is a book of two halves. Whilst the first half cleverly sets up Leanne's world of Akka tradition and starts her on her journey, it can, at times, feel like wading through a documentary on the Akka, despite the captivating writing. It's not until Leanne makes it to Kunming that the pace suddenly picks up and we're zipping through the exciting tea world that the poor tea trend picks up pace alongside. I personally wanted to spend more time with Tea Master Sun and in Leanne's tea shop in the tea market at this point. But on we zip to California and the eventual riveting ending, which left me desperately wanting to know what happened next. There are so many brilliant layers to this book and it could be looked at through so many different lenses. The rapid transition of the Akka way of life into the modern world was fascinating and could spark its own lengthy discussion. From another view, the mother-daughter story, adoption, or Chinese immigrants in the USA could all be delved into and discussed further. But for the tea reader, this is a wonderful story, packed with great tea content that will either develop or ignite an interest in and desire to explore the world of Pua further. I'd like to share what some tea book club members thought. I haven't gotten into Pua that much, but the book has definitely inspired me to now. I thought the ending was a tearjerker. I was definitely glued to those last ten pages. I found it touching to read. And if you'd like to join us for our next read, you can find us at Joint Tea Book Club on Instagram or teabookclub.org. by what you heard in today's podcast? Would you like to learn more from our global network of tea biz journalists and tea experts? 
Contact them directly through Subtext, a private message-based platform. Avoid the chaos of social media and start a conversation that matters. Subtext message-based platform lets you privately ask meaningful questions of the tea experts, academics, and tea biz journalists reporting from the tea lands. You see their responses via SMS texts, which are sent direct to your phone. Visit our website and subscribe to Subtext to instantly connect with the most connected people in tea. Remember to visit the TBiz website for more comprehensive coverage. That's www.t-bizbiz.com. Thanks for listening. Farewell till next week. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.